How's everybody doing? I almost forgot to turn my microphone on. I mean, I, I tell you what, we, we sing songs like that, and um, I'm like, man, we're, we're either worshiping God or we're extremely uncomfortable, because that's the only two options that you have when you're singing something that intimate with God. And uh, I, I know sometimes I'll open my eyes, and there's Pastor Gage and uh, Mr. Matt Figueres. He's uh, leading with us today, so grateful to have him here today. Um, but I, I realized something while I was standing over there is that from week to week, I hardly ever look at the team because I'm always picturing in my mind the God that we're singing to and His holiness, and we're singing these words from glory to glory. And I'm just I'm trying to imagine, you know, what that looks like, and at the same time, I'm just so grateful that he forgave me of my sins. And so there's this thing going on in my heart between my heart and God's. And then occasionally I'll look up and I'll, I'll see the team. And I thought, you know what? That's, that's really their heart. Because whenever we finally meet this God that's from glory to glory and that's holy and is in his majesty and we're singing about this God, you know, Pastor Gage isn't going to be standing there. <laughs> I mean, and he's, he's a humble guy and he's, I know his heart and he's leading and he's hoping probably the same thing, that, that you don't see him but that you see God. But at the end of the, the, your life, when you stand before, before the God Almighty, this God that we're singing about, um, you know, Matt Figueres isn't going to be standing there. That's not what you're going to see. Um, you know, we're going to see God. So I just think it's neat. It just kind of hit me. You know, we, we don't need to just stare at them. <laughs> we, we need to sing and imagine in our hearts, you know, who it is that we're singing to and connect with that. Um, because, you know, they're just, they're not going to be there to welcome you in. Um, at least... At least it's not going to hinge on them, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. We, we serve a great God. And uh, so what do we do, you know, while we're waiting on earth until we get there? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, we, uh, actually, I want to start by playing a game. And we actually played this game before. Um, it's when I start out a quote that you might know, and then you finish it. You remember that? So here we go. You ready? You can't teach an old dog. All right. So we broke the ice. Everything's going good. Here we go. Uh, a leopard can't change. Oh, you guys are good. You're going to get this one probably. An apple doesn't fall far from the tree. From the tree. Right, and these are cliches that we've heard. But based on these cliches, would, would you agree that society kind of maybe means to or doesn't trains us to believe that people don't change? I mean, we, we say, well, once they're this person and they're always that person. We just kind of believe that people don't change, but is that true? No. Well, according to the Bible, it's not. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if anybody belongs to Christ, then there is a new creation. And the old things have gone and everything is made new. God's grace says that not only can you change, he says you do change. And he's talking about this, this spiritual uh, change that happens on the inside of you, and it's awesome. All of a sudden, now you're worthy of God. You start out unworthy of Him, and then when you accept that grace, all of a sudden, He sees you as blameless. And that's just amazing to me. And so we're on our way to heaven. We have this reservation in heaven. Um, but what do we do with all the time we have left on earth? Would you agree that we're, we're perfect on earth, but now, now that we've received God's grace? So if we received His grace, we have all this time left on earth, and, and we're not perfect while we're here because we still mess up, then would it be safe to agree that God still has a work in us left to do while we're here? He still wants to work in our lives. He still wants to move in our lives and, and shape us. But what does that look like? What, what is that? Because far too often, sometimes we can make the decision to accept God's grace, and we think that's it. And 
inadvertently we assume that we're just perfect from here on out. We wouldn't agree to that, but our actions say otherwise sometimes. So I want to talk today about what does it look like as God moves in our life while we're still here on this earth waiting for that promise of heaven. Today I want to talk about what it means to be transformed by grace. We're in a series called Amazing Grace, talking about the different facets of God's grace. Today we're going to talk about what do we do as we're waiting for this promise of heaven, what does God want to do in our lives? Well, he wants to transform us. The scripture we're going to talk about uh, is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we're going to kind of base everything we're going to say today on this. And it says this, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And these are people that have accepted God's grace in their lives, and they're waiting for that promise of heaven one day. It says, But in the Lord, who is spirit, he makes us more and more like him. Say more and more. It's this ongoing continuation. It's more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Now, that's an interesting scripture. It gets even more interesting when you look back at the original language that the writer used, and the Greek word that he used there actually is the same word that we get the English word from, metamorphosis. It's this gradual change from one nature to something else. And this is what God says we should be doing. This is what God says he wants to do in our lives while we're waiting for this promise of heaven. He doesn't just want us to make some one-time change overnight and say, boom, I've done it. You know, I'm going to make a few adjustments in my life, and then I'm going to kind of set cruise control. He says, I, I actually want to transform you. I, I want to move in your life. There's a, a, one of my kids. He's my oldest one. I, I prayed for a boy when we got pregnant, and man, I had one. And uh, I didn't have him, but you know what I mean. And so he was born, he was a baby, and he had the biggest head you'd ever seen in your life. And I thought, man, we're not going to be able to get him through a door. And um, he, he was just as cute as can be. I, you know, you don't ever know who your kids are going to end up looking like. He certainly didn't look like me as a baby, and, and uh, I, I wanted him to so bad. And I thought, you know, maybe one day he will, who knows. But right now, he just looks like a baby with an extremely big head that we can hardly fit shirts over. So... Uh, I want to show you a picture. This was taken at about a year and a half ago, um, whenever he was 13. Now, that's me, and that's him, and we're kind of making funny faces here, but he looks just like me. W would you agree to that? Yeah. I, I have people tell me all the time, this is your twin, and I kind of laugh. He hates it. He hates the fact that he looks like that. I think he's starting to get used to it now, uh, but, but little by little, there's this transformation that happened in his life, um, and all he's doing is spending large amounts of time with dad. That's it, and, and th th this is just a picture, but it's kind of an illustration of what should be happening in our lives, what God wants to do in our lives, little by little, becoming more and more like him, moving from looking more and more like me to looking more and more like him, like Jesus. And when we follow him, listen, church, when we follow him, it happens very naturally. We, we just become more and more like him. Why? Because that's God's desire. He wants to transform us. And it's easy for us, listen, I'm going to say it again, it's easy for us to make a couple of quick adjustments and call that Christianity. Because after all, God wants me to be a good boy. He wants me to be a good girl. So I'm going to do a couple of things that I know to do, and then I'm going to set cruise. But God loves you too much just to hang out with you for a day. He loves you way too much just to change a couple of things inside of you, change your behavior, and then set cruise control. He wants to walk with you for the rest of your life. And, and as you walk with him, you'll find yourself becoming more and more like him. What used to be a struggle to try and do, God, he works in your life and transforms you. And then it, after a while, it, you find it be, just becomes an easy way of life. What, what used to be a struggle, 
now becomes an, an easy way of life. It becomes something that we're used to because we've let God transform us in that way. And then he'll do it again with something else. And can I just say, I'm so glad this is not a journey that ends after a week. I'm glad that God cares enough about me not to just, you know, go a year with me and then say, you good? All right. I'm, I'm so glad that I can look back over almost 20 years and see where God's making me better and better. Aren't you? I'm so glad that I can look back and say I'm, I'm more and more like him. I'm, I'm glad I can look back and say I'm not that guy, and he's continuing to make me better. And I haven't reached it yet. I'm not perfect. I still mess up. And I'm actually looking forward to God transforming me as the years go on. So no matter where you are along the way in this thing called walking with God, I want to talk about three things that you can do right now to get on this journey. Because you, you may have fallen into the trap. You know, I'm just, I'm going to make these adjustments and call it good and call it Christianity. But if we know God wants to transform us, if that's the goal, why we're here on this earth. And I, I want to talk about three things that you can do today to start. Now, these are just starting places, um, but they'll, they'll jumpstart you on the journey. You ready? Say three things. Here we go. First one's kind of blunt, so I'm just going to jump in and say it. Number one, give up your life. <laughs> you ever had somebody tell you that? Uh, you need to give up your life. Yeah, look, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. It says, so, brothers, he's talking about the church. Since God has shown us great mercy, grace, he says, I beg of you, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to him. And this is the spiritual way for you to worship. First way we start on this journey of God transforming us is to give up your way and say, God, I want yours. He's saying, because of God's grace and how he gave his all for you, give your all to him. Give him everything. Give him your plans. Give him your agenda. Don't give him a portion of it. Give him all of it. I could probably stop right there and we could leave because we all, we all have work to do when it comes to that. Give him all your plans. But not only is it just this some sacrifice that we make, but when we do it, we actually open up ourselves to the blessings that God has for us. Did you know that one of the biggest roadblocks of being transformed by God is when we decide to go to God with our plans and demand that he bless them? God, with your power and my plan, we're going places. You know, that's, maybe we don't say that, but that's kind of that's the attitude that we approach God. Um, you, do you ever stop and think that, you know, God has plans for me? He actually has plans that you don't know about. And, and not only that, but the Bible says that they're good plans. Jeremiah 29, 11, you, you may have heard this verse before, but it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And they're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but they're plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. And, and we can hinder what God is doing in our lives when we insist that things have to go our way. You know, God, your power, my plan. I remember when I was a teenager, my uncle asked me to help him build his chicken pen. And I was about 15 years old. Um, and so I did. But long before that day, he had thought out long and hard how he was going to build the thing. He had researched it. He had, you know, spent the time and the effort thinking about how, you know, he was going to go about it, uh, saved his money, went out and bought the materials, sacrificed. Uh, and then after all that, um, he invited me to help him build it. So I show up that morning ready to help, feeling nice and sprite. And after about an hour of working on it, I'd already figured out a better way to do it. He gave me that look, you know. It's like he doesn't even have to say anything. <laughs> he just gives me the look, and I knew I should probably shut up. Here's the point. It's annoying when you've spent a lot of time planning something perfectly, and somebody shows up at the last minute and thinks they have a better idea. Did you know that God planned your life long before you ever came into existence? 
I mean, he, he planned it thoroughly. He, he, it was perfect. And then he spent the cost of his son so that you could be worthy to walk in those plans. And then we can easily walk around and believe that we can do it better. Isn't that weird? But it's true. One of the greatest ways that we can let God transform us by his grace as we walk in our lives is to make these plans of his a reality for us. And that starts by giving up our own life and saying, God, I'm going to give you my plans, Lord. I want yours. And you know, you know what you'll begin to realize is that God knows the desires of your heart. And sometimes our plans end up being what he had planned all along. But he was waiting to empower it for us to give it to him. Now, sometimes you give him your plans and it ends up being something completely different that he had for you. And I'm, I'm a testament to this. You realize later on that you really didn't want that stuff. <laughs> and you're so glad that he kept you from getting it. His plans are better than ours. He knows. So first, you've got you to give up your life. Let God lead it all. Second, let go of your old way of thinking. Let go of your old way of thinking. That second verse in Romans 12, first part of it says, don't be shaped by the world, but instead change within by a new way of thinking. Did you know that God is more concerned with the way you think than he is the way you behave? I need to say that again because you need to hear it. God is more concerned with the way you think than the way that you behave. Let me, let me kind of illustrate this for you. Do you know why a successful, recovered alcoholic doesn't get bent out of shape when beer or liquor is around? I mean, you would think it would just send them into orbit. Oh, I can't be around it. But it's because their success doesn't depend upon the absence of alcohol. It's a good start, but the success is tied to their mind being made up about their thoughts, their mind being changed about what it is that they do. Their thinking changes, so their behavior changes. It's like somebody that, that struggles with lust or pornography, and they set boundaries and they set accountability, and that, that's really helpful and is good, but the true change doesn't happen until their thinking about sex changes, about what, what God really made sex to be. And when they're thinking about it changes, their behavior uh, begins to change. And you'll be able to dismiss temptation because you'll see right through the trap. That doesn't happen with behavioral change. It, happens start, uh, it starts with, with your thinking changes because thinking drives your action. And if thinking changes, then actions follow. But most of the time, we, we focus on behavior. We focus on actions. But then when God transforms us, we begin to know that he cares more about the way we think. It's interesting that Proverbs chapter 4 says this, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. He didn't say it was your behavior. He said it starts with the way you think. Being transformed by God starts with the way we think. Have you ever noticed when Jesus called his disciples, if you read through the gospel stories, that he never showed up and said, hey, I want you to obey these, this, these top 10 rules here? He didn't do it. He just walked up and said, follow me. It's very interesting. In fact, one guy, uh, he, he walked right up to, and he, he was in his tax booth. Now, this guy was looked at as a thief by all accounts, and probably was. And Jesus walked up to him and just said, follow me. And the guy does it. He gets right out, and he, he follows him. See, Jesus knew it wasn't about behavior modification. If his life was going to be transformed, he had to change the way this guy thought, and he knew it was going to be in a relationship with him. So he just invites him, follow me. And we know the transformation happened because this is the same guy that God used to write the first book of the New Testament. The guy's name was Matthew. Does that sound familiar? Talk, talk about a transformation, but it started with his thinking. It didn't start with behavior modification. And Jesus invites us on that same journey. Give up our own plans, follow him, and, and let him change us from within by a new way of thinking. 
And just by the way, when he begins to change the way you think, it begins to change everything in your life. It has tentacles that go out into every, every area of your life. All of a sudden, you're becoming a better husband. You're becoming a better wife because you're thinking about it differently. You're thinking in a godly way. You become a better mother and a father. You see clear paths to break through addiction. Uh, you, 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 you realize what it really means to love somebody the way God wants you to. It all happens when you let God change the way you think. Third thing you, need, you can do right now is focus outward, not inward. Focus outward, not inward. Now, again, these, these three steps, they're starting places. But when you give up your life, when you let God change the way you think, uh, the last part of Romans 12, 2 says this, then you'll be able to decide what God wants from you. And you'll know what's good and pleasing to him and what is, what's perfect. Now, most people want to know what God wants. Most people would say, I, I want to know what God's will is for my life. Well, let me just connect something here. God's will for your life will always include focusing on other people. It will. Every, every single time. Loving other people. Encouraging other people. Giving to other people in, in certain capacities. Being mindful of other people. But why does God want that? I mean, what's the deal with it? Why, why is that a part of being transformed by grace. You ever wish you could be transformed by grace and not have to deal with anybody at all? Like, I want to love them, but I want to love them from over there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Somebody nod their head. Am I the only one in the room that gets tempted with that? You know, it's like, why? Why do you want so much for me to pour out to other people, God? Well, here's the reason, because Jesus pours out to other people. Jesus focuses on other people. And this whole transformation thing is becoming more and more like Jesus. And if Jesus is focusing on other people, then when I become more and more like him, I, by nature, am going to focus on other people. Think of it this way. Ultimately, Jesus focused on you. He died for you. He saved you. He loves you. He wants to lead you. So being transformed by grace always means focusing outward, not, not inward. But, and, and this is not a part of our culture, guys. You are not going to get help from our society. You're just not. Um, I learned recently that two of the top-selling magazines in the United States are, are People, which is all the fake pictures of models and actors, uh, and then Self Magazine. <laughs> What's that about? Well, it's about self. It's about me, myself, and I. Uh, I, I don't read either of them, so I don't know how much help they actually are, but I know there's a reason why Help Your Neighbor magazine isn't up there with them, because it wouldn't sell. Uh, that's not a real magazine, by the way, I don't know, but it just, it wouldn't sell. Nobody would, would, would buy that. Uh, but Jesus says this in Matthew 5, chapter 7. He says, those who show mercy to others are happy because God shows mercy to them. And then he gives us perspective in Matthew 7, verse 12, when he says, do to others the way you want them to treat you. And we know those verses. But when we put them in perspective with this whole transformation thing in our lives, it actually means focusing outward, not inward. In society, our culture demands that other people respect you first, and then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll pour out. I'm so glad Jesus didn't treat me that way, because I'd still be lost. You're not going to get much help from society, but when you let God help, you can count on transformation in your life, becoming the person that God made you to be. Did you know that the most fulfilled uh, that you could ever be in life is when you focus outward? And that doesn't make sense to start with, but let me just kind of give you an illustration. You, you ever know somebody that needed help and you didn't have time to help them? Or maybe you just didn't want to. And they need help, you, didn't, you don't know the whole circumstance, but you go, you help, and when you leave there, that feeling that you have, that's so awesome. <laughs> well, that's just a taste 
of, the, of a greater transformation that God wants to do in your life. He wants you to walk around with that high all the time because we're being fulfilled by focusing outward. You are wired to focus outward. You are wired to be the most fulfilled when you're helping other people, when you're loving other people, when you're listening to other people. It's, it's definitely a give and take. I don't mean be a doormat. I don't mean pour all out. You got to have people that pour into you too. But God never meant you to be a hermit all by yourself, closed up. You're the most fulfilled whenever you focus outward. These are three steps that you can take today. They're starting places. But you can, you can start those today. Give God your whole life. Start with that. And then let go of your old way of thinking. And then focus outward, not inward. Before we go, I, I want to tell you that when you embrace this, when you embrace this transformation in your life, God is going to shake your world up. And it's going to hurt a little bit. Sometimes it might hurt a lot. But why? Well, it's because change is going to happen in your life. And I don't want you to leave today and let me hear me say all the good things and then not tell you the truth. The truth is it's going to hurt because change hurts. But this change that God wants to do in you is worth it. God knows where he's taking you. So you don't know where you're taking yourself, but God does. He knows the blessings that are in store for you that he wants to pour into your life. You don't know them yet. He, he knows the conflict that you have coming up that you're not prepared to handle spiritually, that he wants to prepare you for because at some point in your life, he knows the plans and it's actually going to better you. But right now, maybe you don't have what it takes to deal with that because you haven't maybe developed the character to deal with that conflict. But he wants to take you through a season where he's shaping you to get you ready for that. And all you feel is pain. He, he actually knows what it's going to take for you to add value to somebody else's life that he hasn't even introduced to your life yet. But he wants to shape you to be the kind of person that is going to be able to add value to this person that's going to just make your life so awesome. But you don't have what it takes yet to be able to add value to that person. So he's going to take you through a process to get there. And those processes hurt. Right now, you're not ready to handle that blessing. Right now, you're not ready to, to go through that conflict and handle it in a godly way. Right now, you're not ready. You're not the type of person that God is going to entrust with, to, to, for the, him to pour somebody else into your life and you handle them well. So he's going to take you through a process. And those changes, they hurt. Because sometimes it means close relationships that you have in your life that you never thought would end, they end. Sometimes it means routines that you thought would never change in your life. They end up changing. Uh, habits that you never thought that you'd have to go th through a process to end, you go through that process and it hurts. And God takes you to it. It's part of this, part of this transformation. Uh, places that you never thought you would leave because they were comfortable. You were happy there. And he says, I can't accomplish my will for your life in this next place if you stay here. And so he'll uproot you from that place and it hurts. And we don't know why he's doing it. We, we can't understand all the answers. But he sees this plan, and he's taking you from glory to glory. He's making you more and more like him so that by the time this new season of your life starts, you, he shaped you in such a way that you're able to handle it. And during that shaping process, we don't see all the answers, and so it just feels like we're a leaf blowing in the wind. And sometimes it just gets so uncomfortable. Here's the temptation when we're in that season. We want to get mad at God because the person that was close to you is a, a friendship, they weren't part of your next season, and so something will happen, and they'll be out of your life, and you're mad at God for it. And you have no idea what God's bringing you into. That they, they can't exist in that new place because they wouldn't be helpful for you. 
and it just hurts, and we get mad at them. But God's got a, it's a cliche. God's got a plan. <laughs> Sometimes that's not helpful through our ears. Sometimes we just need somebody to hug us <laughs> and not say that. But can I just say it right now? God's got this transformational plan that he is working in your life. And it's a season. It's not going to last forever. And at the end of that season, God's got something great for you. It's not easy, but this transformation process is worth it. I want to close with a, a story. There was, there was this little boy that grew up in New York, and um, his family didn't have this huge religious background. They, were, uh, they went to Catholic Mass sometimes. And um, his parents actually got divorced when he was eight years old, and it hurt. And the little boy kind of took it on himself. You know what I'm talking about? And kind of thought it was his fault. Nobody should ever have to carry the weight of that, but he did. And after the divorce, it got very dysfunctional uh, in, in the family. He went from having two parents, and there were, there were three of them, um, three children. They went from having two parents to one parent. And to make ends meet, the one parent had to work two and three different jobs just to make the ends meet. And sometimes the ends didn't meet. Um, but what that meant was there was absence in the home of any parents. And he'd wake up, nobody except for his brother and his sister, sometimes get home from school alone, um, all the while wanting dad to be there, and dad's not, wanting dad to be at baseball games, but because of the dysfunction between the parents, dad didn't go. And so there's validation issues in this little boy, and he's, he's frustrated, and as he grows up, he's trying to fill this pain that's inside him. Doesn't know anything about God's grace, doesn't know anything about that, didn't grow up that way. And so he's, he's, he's trying his best, and, and what do we do? We turn to things that medicate. By the way, God's grace is the only thing that can actually fill that void. It's not a churchy, preachy thing to say. It's the actual truth. But when we don't know about it, we turn to other things. And we're tempted to do it even when we do know about God's grace. And this, this, this young man did the same thing, turned to fighting, turned to drugs, aggression, girls, broken relationships, you name it. Tried to fill the void, came up empty every time. Emptiness. He, he grows up, years go by, he turns 18 has all this stuff inside him, and uh, when he turned 18, his dad had a heart attack and died. He's in his 40s. Didn't understand, couldn't wrap his mind around it. He just wanted his dad to come home, and now it seemed like this God who loves everybody just took his dad away. Didn't know what he was doing. He didn't understand the way life was the way it was. Sometime later, he's having an argument with his mom. Uh, she slaps him in the face, and he retaliates by saying, I'm joining the Air Force. I'm going in the military. And she looked at him and said, you're not man enough. He left that afternoon, went to the recruiter's office and joined. And two months later, went to basic training. Now, full disclosure, if you have a troubled teen at home, I am not saying slap them in the face in hopes that they'll join the military. I'm not saying that. Seven months down the road, he ended up coming to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base, heart damaged, stuffed anger down, lots of dysfunction from his past, knew nothing about God's grace, living in hurt, living in that dysfunction, but trying to pretend like, like everything's fine. Sometime later, he's in his barracks, and a guy says, hey, you want to go to church with me? And he says, are there going to be girls there? <laughs> True story. The guy said, yeah. He said, all right, I'll go. And he literally goes to church for the hopes that there's going to be girls there. And it ended up being the place where he learned about God's grace. It ended up being the place that he learned 
that God could forgive him of his past. It, it was the place that God could heal his hurt. He learned about this grace for the first time. He learned that it was about a relationship with God, and he actually wanted to have a relationship with him. He went looking for girls and found God. Did that ever happen to you? <laughs> ever go looking for a dude and found God instead? Um, kind of weird, but it's true. God will do whatever it takes to get you to a saving knowledge of who he is. It was also the place where he found the woman that he would later marry. And it's funny because they had way two different backgrounds. She grew up a southern belle in a home where parents never fought. They had disagreements. You know, everybody's not perfect. But it was way different. Christian home, Christian upbringing. And then this, this guy from upstate New York, completely different background, didn't grow up very religious at all, grew up with dysfunction. And they were almost like a train wreck coming together. And so... He keeps choosing grace over time. Transformation begins to happen. But there's a lot of anger and dysfunction because it, it's what he saw growing up. He didn't know anything else. And God is slowly transforming him. Days turn into months. Months turn into years. And they stay together only because of God's grace. It's amazing what God's grace will do in you if you accept it, if you look at it, if, if you let it transform you. They stayed together. They actually had four kids, and he didn't have to be, he, he didn't have to be a dad. Because he didn't, he didn't know any better. He didn't have a dad growing up like that. He didn't, he didn't know. And he retired from the Air Force after 20 years. Um, and after years of being transformed by grace, this is the amazing part. You know what he's doing today? He's an ordained minister. He's an associate pastor at a church, in our, a, a, a local church. Nobody could believe this transformation. Here's this boy who grew up in, in dysfunction, and, and God pulls him out of it. He, he, this Catholic boy from, from New York. And today he's touched thousands of lives because of the transforming power of God's grace. He's touched so many lives. And you know what? He's touched my life because he's my dad. And I look at him and I watched him choose grace growing up. I watched him as, as I grew up and I watched him choose grace over and over again. And he wasn't perfect. Please don't misunderstand me. We had to watch a lot of, a lot of dysfunction because he still had a lot of hurt. He still had a lot of baggage bottled up. And, and as kids, we saw it. But we also saw him continually choose grace. We also saw him say, I'm going to stay here, and I'm not leaving, and I'm going to watch what God does. And he's still doing that. And it's a huge reason why I'm a pastor today. It's a huge reason why I'm standing here today talking about the grace of God and understanding what it means in my own life, because I watched my dad do the same thing, continuing to reach people for Jesus. It's the whole reason why my brothers and my sister are serving God today. It's the whole reason why my family is so close. I mean, they're my best friends. It's because of God and the transforming power of his grace. It's the whole reason why God influences people through him. So many other people who, who, who are hurting, he's able to speak into their lives. Half of them have no idea about the dysfunction because he's a completely different person. He does not look like the same person. And it's what makes 2 Corinthians 3.18 so true, that verse that we read in the beginning. So all of us who have had that veil removed, they can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. I am so grateful for the transformation and the power of God's grace to be able to do that. He doesn't want you to settle for some quick adjustment and then try to set cruise control and move on in your life. He actually says, I can transform you and make you something that you weren't before, something valuable, something joyful. And there is no sin that's, that's, that's so deep that there is no hurtful background. There is no pain that is a match for the transformation power of God's grace. He delights in it. 
and you have no idea the effect that it'll have, not only on you, but the people in your life now, and maybe in the people's lives that aren't even in your life yet, that you're going to touch. I am so glad that little boy from New York chose grace, because without the transformation, his life would be drastically different, and so would mine. I wonder if you would choose to say yes to him today. I wonder if you would say, God, I, I want to tr- choose that transformation power in my life. I want you to change me, God, but also I want to be ready for whatever blessings that you have coming my way. Not just so that I can call myself some good person, but God, so I can live the life that you actually had planned for me. And I can be the influencer that you want me to be, that I can look more and more like you. Because there's people's lives that depend on it. People that you love, people that you don't even know are in, are coming into your life God has planned. Don't miss the blessings that God has for you along the way. Be transformed. Can we pray together? Maybe you just want to say yes to God today. Maybe you want to say yes to him today for the first time. Maybe you've never accepted his grace and you want to say today, God, I, I want to accept your grace. I'm going to say a prayer. I I want you to pray with me, everybody in the room. God, I'd I'd be lost without you. I'm so glad that you don't just save us one time and then leave and say you're on your own. Do do the best you can until you make it to heaven one day, God. But you, you actually desire and have the plan in place to walk beside of us and to change us, making you look more and more like you for our benefit. You're already God. You're already perfect. You don't need changing. It's for our benefit that we get to be like you. God, forgive us for falling into the trap that says that somehow letting you change us is some religious coup or some some goody-goody thing. God, help us to know that there is joy, there is life in the transformation power of your grace. God, we don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to know how. We don't have to know the plan that's five years from now. We don't, you don't have to lay it out for us, Lord. We just we want to say right now we believe in faith because your word says it. And I pray for all the ones in this room, God, that have been kind of overcome by fear. There's an, there's an anxiousness tied to, to giving up their lives for you, to, to letting you change the way they think. I just pray that anxiousness go away in Jesus' name. I, I pray that, that in Jesus' name, according to the book of Philippians, God, we can come and ask that. We can petition that. We can pray to you, Lord, and, and we can give thanks because of, because of that. And your word says that when we do that, that your peace, that, that transcends all understanding that we can even try to put words to or think about. Lord, it comes into our lives, and your word says it guards our hearts and our minds. So I just pray anxiety begin to flee, fear begin to flee. And we walk boldly up to you and say, Lord, take me by the hand and lead me. Come what may, I'm good as long as I know I'm holding your hand and you're leading. I pray there be a boldness in the name of Jesus. We want the blessings, Lord. Pour them out in full and make us the type of people that we need to be to handle them well. Give you a good name. God, I pray for for all of us in here that have never accepted you, but maybe are feeling that pull right now and are ready to do that for the first time. If that's you in the room today, I'm I'm just going to pray. You can agree with me. God hears your heart. Lord, I can't make it without you. I'm I'm by nature not good. (laughs) I can try to be good enough, but I always fall short. Lord, you're the only one that was perfect. 
your word says that you, you came and actually sacrificed your perfection for me, paid for my sin penalty. So Lord, I, all my days, I just want to walk in, in your goodness. I believe that you really died for me. I believe that you really rose from the dead for me. You didn't have to, but you took on my, the penalty of my sin. I'm not perfect, so I need you. I need, this, I need you to transform me in, in this life as I walk. And I, I, I trust you to fill in all the gaps in my life. But I, I want to wake up every day and aim my heart at you. Help me, God. We love you. We're grateful for your word. And we want to walk, walk out of here today and actually put action steps to that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray all this. Can you say amen together? Amen. amen. If, if you made a, a spiritual decision today in your heart, you, maybe you prayed to receive Christ today. Uh, or, or maybe you said, hey, I, I want to start this transformation process, and you, you want to say, hey, Pastor Ryan, team, will you pray for me? Take that Connect card out. If you've already turned it in, fill out another one. We don't care. We want to make sure we get those prayer requests, and we want to make sure that we know that you prayed to receive Christ. There's a little checkbox beside your name. We want you to do that. We want to come beside you and pray with you. We want to maybe give you next steps. Uh, God, again, God doesn't say, hey, I'm just going to leave you alone after you do it. He says, I'm going to come alongside of you, and he uses the church to be able to do that. And we're prepared, we're willing to be able to come alongside you. So let us know about the decisions that you've made. Let us know about, about your prayer request, how we can help you and pray for you on this journey. All right? Love you guys.